From Press Communications, LLC, this is Jersey Shore Matters with Diane de Oliveira. A grassroots nonprofit group in Monmouth County is dedicated to educating the public about the harmful impacts of plastic pollution in our oceans and communities and teaching ways to live sustainably. Joining me today is Rita Yelm with the Plastic Wave Project. Welcome to the show, Rita. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. So, Rita, you are an Atlantic Highlands native. You grew up at the Jersey Shore. How did your love of the ocean lead you to pursuing a BS in marine science and now being part of the Plastic Wave Project? Yeah, you know, I think it started at a really young age. You know, I grew up with great parents who kind of instilled a bit of concern or um, awareness about the environment in me as a young kid. Um, And then, of course, growing up, having the privilege to grow up so close to the ocean just kind of let me enjoy everything about living close by. You know, I grew up surfing and um, just spending a lot of time in the water. Um, And so, yeah, basically when I went away to college, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm going to study marine biology. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, And then I moved back to New Jersey after um, the four years in South Carolina. And me and two of my friends, really close friends, we just felt that there needed to be more done about educating and creating events that sort of educate people about plastic pollution specifically, Um, not only just like on an individual basis, but like the systemic and structural kind of problems of plastic pollution. Um, So we just said, hey, let's do something. And we started Plastic Wave Project um, back in 2018. Um, And we've been doing a bunch of different things since then. So tell me about some of the outreach work that the Plastic Wave Project does. Yeah, so our main one at the moment, um, it's been going on for about three years, we have a microplastic community science program. And basically what that is, is people, volunteers go out. You don't have to have any background in science or anything like that. Anyone can join, um, but they go out four times a year um, to any coastal area that they like, and they sample for microplastics. Um, with our guidance, um, and then they submit the data back to us on the number of microplastics that they find in their locations, and then all that information is put onto a microplastic map, so we can kind of start to learn about where microplastics are, and then hopefully impact policy to, you know, make change and prevent microplastic pollution, so that's like the big one that we do, Um, but we do all other kinds of events throughout the year, whether it's working with schools or um, community programs um, that, like, ask us to create um, outreach material for them. Um, So we do that a little bit, so kind of more, like, customized to the group that we're working with. Um, And we've also done some art shows and kind of combining, like, less so typical environmental things with more environmental focus, so, like, yoga and a beach cleanup type of a thing. Um, So that's kind of what we do, and, yeah, that's, we we also hope to, you know, keep developing other other things in the future, maybe hopefully on the water as well. I want to go back to the microplastics uh, program mm-hmm. that, you, that you've been working on for the last few years. What exactly are microplastics and how harmful are they to the ocean and the waters? I'm so happy you, you asked that question because um, microplastics are basically small, tiny pieces of plastic, like scientifically they're you know, less than five millimeters in diameter. Um, And they're made up of basically either directly from the plastic production in the form of these things called nurdles, um, which is basically small plastic pellets that is then melted and dyed to make all the plastic that we know today and use. 
Um, or they can also come from the breakdown of bigger plastic products, whether that's like a water bottle or something like that, or tires or artificial turf, things like that. So, um, and the reason that they are, well, they are very harmful to the environment. There's a lot of different studies that have come out showing that they not only um, get ingested by marine life, um, but they also are ingested by us. Um, and I think like the most recent study found microplastics in like placentas and babies and in our own blood. Um, and we consume about, you know, a credit card worth of plastic a week. And that's from these microplastics. A credit- Not to mention it's also in our clothes. A credit card size a week of microplastics? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, who knows? It could be more or less depending on, you know, where you live. But um, yeah, and that's that's all from microplastics just being kind of in the environment all around us, not just the ocean, but in in the air, from drying your clothes that are made of polyester and synthetic fibers to the um, packaging on our food. So yeah, they, they can... They're pretty much everywhere. (laughs) What are some alternatives? I know you also teach about uh, sustainability. What are some Mm -hmm. alternatives for plastic? So many things are made with it. What are other ways we can get around that? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think it's it's a little more than just people using, not not using plastic, because, you know, we live in a society that kind of makes it really difficult to not use plastic, and plastic can be really useful. For me, I think it's more important to really push for legislation and push the companies responsible for the pollution um, instead of forcing individuals to kind of take on the burden of making this change. However, you know, there are definitely things that individuals can do to reduce plastic in their own life, whether it's through grocery shopping or, you know, using a reusable bag. But, you know, it's, it's much more complicated than that. And, you know, even if you don't use plastic in your own life, there's still going to be microplastics around the world because, you know, plastics come from the oil industry. They're a byproduct of um, petrochemicals. So until we regulate that industry, there's kind of no way for one person's, you know, avoidance of plastic to make a huge, huge impact on all the microplastics in the world. And I also think, you know, finding technologies that clean up microplastics and prevent them from going into the environment in the first place like, for example, a guppy bag or filtrations, like regulations for filtration on dryers or wastewater treatment plants are much more important than, um, you know, picking your day-to-day life because sometimes you don't really have an option to use plastic or not. Um, but, yeah, that's my take on that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, how much plastic is actually found each year, in whether it's in New Jersey or nationwide? Do you have any kind of statistics on that? Ooh, um, you know, I don't know if I have any statistics on that, but I know, like, I don't want to, like, make up a number, um, but lots, um, and plastic enters our waterways from a lot of different sources every year, um, and I think the problem is, is, you know, it's hard to take it out, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot, and we see it on our beaches in our microplastic, um, citizen science program. Um, you know, we're only sampling four times a year, so, you know, we only see, we can, at one beach on one location, you can see, you know, no microplastics to hundreds of microplastics. So, you know, times that by every day of the year, you know. Um, so there, there's a lot, and a lot of it goes by um, without being cleaned up because microplastics are so small and difficult to take out of the environment. But, yeah, I think that there's, it depends on, like, what <laughs> numbers you look at and 
what you're considering plastic and waste and all that and where it's going. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a specific number, but that's okay. no, it is a lot <laughs> and it's hard to get it, get it out. <laughs> sure. Now, when you say you can tell if a particular area has more microplastics, what would make an area more susceptible? Is it just something that's a little more where populations are higher or is there any certain pattern? So that's sort of what we're trying to figure out. You know, microplastic research is pretty new. Um, you know, it's only so like understanding exactly where they go and why is sort of why we're, we started this program in the first place. But I will say, I think that actually it doesn't really have to do with how many people live there. It's more so about where like shipping is happening, um, where there can be spills. Or it has to do with kind of the um, the shape of the coastline. So, like, if you're in a bay like Sandy Hook, for example, um, that collects microplastics a lot. Like, you can go out there and find them everywhere. And that could just be due to the fact that it's shaped in a way that kind of collects microplastics and doesn't really, like, let them go back out into the sea where a really open beach, um, like, you know, down Bradley Beach or something like that, Um, microplastics could wind up on the beach, but then there's a lot of wave action that kind of brings them back out to sea. Um, So I think it just sort of depends on the geography of the location, the wave action, the currents, the wind, storms, things like that. There's actually a really interesting project that's, like if you you look at um, water flows around the world, that could then help predict where microplastics would end up. Oh. Um, so that's, that's sort of like where they would come from and where they would go. Yeah, that's interesting. I just want to remind our listeners, this is Jersey Shore Matters. I'm your host, Diane D'Alevere, and I'm speaking with Rita Yelm. She's with the Plastic Wave Project. It's a grassroots nonprofit group in Monmouth County that educates the public about harmful impacts of plastic pollution in our oceans and communities and teaches how to live sustainably. Rita, what are some of the things that you do to keep your organization going? I mean, I know about the projects, but you're a nonprofit, so you need funding. How are you able to uh, do what you do? Yeah, so I mean, it's like you said, it is very grassroots. So right now, it's just run by three of us. Um, So we are pretty much a passion project run um, based on just our willingness to to create events. So um, all of our funds that we do collect through usually small dollar donations um, goes directly towards the program. So um, we're not you know, funding ourselves, um, which is great, I think, um, because it is just a passion project, at least right now. Um, But we were lucky enough to receive um, a grant by Lush a couple years ago. So they funded our microplastic program for a year. But we're definitely, you know, looking for opportunities to make sure we get enough funds to keep the microplastic program going. So if anyone knows any (laughs) funding opportunities for us to, um, you know, keep community science going, um, then that would be that would be a, a big help because you know we are a small team and and want to make sure we can we can keep things going um, as long as possible. Rita, how does the Plastic Wave Project differ from Clean Ocean Action or the Surfrider Foundation, or how does your mm-hmm. group enhance what they do? Yeah, so you know I think one of the best things about New Jersey is there's so much um, NGOs and people who really care about the environment and want to do things to make it better. Um, and I think that, you know, we are different than them because we are a little bit hyper-focused on plastic in particular, um, and we're much more grassroots, so our, you know, the things we do and our priorities are going to be a little bit different than theirs, um, but I think that 
you know, the more the merrier, you know, um, and that's kind of another thing we wanted to try to achieve by creating this um, is that, you know, everyone can have a voice and you don't have to necessarily be part of like a really big organization to make a difference. Um, and if you have a passion and you have knowledge and you want to share it, then um, I think everyone should be invited to partake in environmental activities and environmental action um, without being, you know, having to be part of a bigger group or having a certain degree or, you know, doing doing things like that. So I think we just add another voice to the conversation um, and, yeah, obviously very much so supportive of other organizations' work and we also love to collaborate with other um, small grassroots NGOs um, like Save Barnegat Bay and Save Coastal Wildlife as well. Rita, I know we were talking about the research that anybody can go and collect microplastics to, to help you with your project. If someone was interested in doing that, what exactly do they need to do? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, if you want to get involved in our community science program, you can go to our website, which is plasticwaveproject.org. Um, and you can read all the information there on our tab about microplastics, and you can sign up to be a volunteer right online. Um, and basically, there's some online trainings, and then a couple times a year, we'll have in-person trainings, um, but you don't have to attend an in-person training since everything's online. Um, and then you just basically pick a day. Uh, you'll, we communicate over email mainly, and you pick a day during the next um, sampling season, which one just ended, so the next one won't be until the um, fall, but yeah, you pick a day you want to go out during a certain window um, of time, you take your sample and submit it to us. So it's pretty easy, um, and if anyone has any questions, they can always uh, send us an email at plasticwaveproject.gmail.com. And Rita, you said one period just ended and you're starting again in the fall. Is, is there a reason, or is that just you just pick certain times of the month to do it? Yeah, so we, we do it around the changing of the season, so like the solstice periods, just because we thought that was an easy way to kind of track like, okay, well, maybe in the winter um, there's more plastics than in the summer or vice versa. So we just kind of picked those to make it easier. Um, but, you know, ideally <laughs> you would sample for <laughs> microplastics more than that. But since it is just community science, um, we want to make it, pretty accessible and fun and not too much of a burden. So we felt that the four times a year, once kind of like a season, uh, made the most sense. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. When do you hope to compile all of the results? We've already started to, um, and the results are available also on our website. Um, there's a map that you can explore to see all the data and see, um, you know, uh, wh where the samples have been taken, how many microplastics were found there, what year, along with some other information, like um, we ask our volunteers to provide, you know, any other observations they see, like whether there's a lot of ma macroplastics or like big plastic pollution, you know, if there's any recent weather events. So, so yeah, you can explore that map also on our website. Um, and then hopefully, I think this is the fourth year, so hopefully we can take like a deeper look and hopefully maybe publish something or, or do something in the future as well. We are just about out of time, Rita. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about the Plastic Wave project that we left out? You know, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And I think anyone who feels passionate about environmental protection should use their voice. And yeah, we all can make a difference. So that's what I have to say. 
Rita Yelm with the Plastic Wave Project. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You can hear Jersey Shore Matters with Diane D'Oliveira every Sunday morning on Press Communications, LLC.